Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Hi, I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. Michelle Ruiz has seemingly done it all. But in reality, while she's been very successful in multiple fields, she's really an expert at bringing the right people together to fulfill the vision at hand. Michelle's background is in broadcasting and has had a very successful career as a news anchor. She wanted to make an impact through broadcasting by affecting change and worked toward helping other Latinas in the industry. However, she's an entrepreneur at heart and found herself co-founding a science-based technology company focused on enabling organizations to effectively assess and manage unconscious bias in the work environment. She's an expert at seeing gaps and coming up with solutions. During our conversation, Michelle vulnerably shares about how the loss of her infant son 20 years ago changed her perspective on everything. From that experience, as an optimist, she learned to take calculated risk because after experiencing that loss, What's the worst that can happen? She believes in the importance of focusing on gratitude as a key to her survival. Her joyfulness comes through in the time she spends with us on this podcast. Join us as she shares her insights on how you don't have to have all the answers to move forward towards success. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. And I'm super excited because we met at the Latitude Conference a couple of months ago. And I think, you know, a five minute conversation turned into a two hour conversation. And we were like, <laughs> we could just keep talking um, more and more. And we thought, Michelle is somebody we have to get on the podcast because your story is phenomenal. Your energy is amazing. And the things that you are doing to disrupt um, the, the you know, just the work environment and, and helping organizations is phenomenal. So I wanted to have, you know, an opportunity for people in our audience to get to know you and hear a little bit about Michelle, your story and what you've learned along your journey, because you've had an amazing, successful journey in multiple industries doing different things. And it's, you know, it's just a, a great to share those types of, of learnings with others. So without further ado, uh, let, tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself. Oh, Monica, first of all, thank you very much. Yes, we had a, an amazing connection and yes. uh, that led into another connection that very same day. And and uh, you're right. And uh, thank you so much in terms of uh, having me here as a guest on your Beyond Barriers podcast. Boy, do I love that name. Yes. Uh, because it is all about, you know, uh, eliminating barriers, reducing barriers so that we can all show up and contribute in a meaningful way and really achieve our objectives. Right. Yes. Yes. I love that. Uh, So, yes, uh, you know, as you know, from uh, our uh, conversation, uh, my professional life started in broadcasting when I graduated college. That was my first profession. And so I was a news anchor and a reporter for several entities. And I did that for close to 18 years. And then I transitioned uh, to becoming an entrepreneur. And now, you know, I'm three companies into it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and my latest company is a tech company. And if someone would have said to me, you know, 
five years ago, do you envision yourself as being a Latina in tech? And I'd say, what planet did you fall off? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, but here I am. And, you know, obviously we can talk a little bit more about that. But I think the, the, the thread in all of that is um, uh, not limiting yourself, mm-hmm. not limiting yes. your, your goals, not limiting your vision, not limiting your belief system, and, uh, and happy to chat more with you uh, regarding these topics that are relevant to your, you know, your career women. Yes. Absolutely. And thanks for that. And, and I mean, I think you're being modest because you were an award winning, <laughs> you know, uh, news anchor, many awards and many nominations. Um, but that said, you know, you have this, you know, we all have this instilled work ethic to kind of do our best. And um, but I want to talk a little bit about your career. As you said, five years ago, you would have never thought of being a Latina in tech and leading um, you know, an organization that is successful and having three, I mean, you're a serial entrepreneur with successful or, you know, companies. How did you do that? How did you get the clarity? Or, you know, what was that moment that you were like, I'm going to do this? Um, and how did you get the courage to say, okay, I've never done this before, but I'm going to move forward despite the uncertainty. Talk a little bit about that. Like, where did you get the clarity? Um, and how are you kind of making yourself be successful in areas that are maybe uncharted for yourself? Mm, Yeah. So um, the clarity piece, what's interesting to me is that uh, I think one of my strengths is I have good ideas. Not all ideas are are good. (laughs) Not all (laughs) my ideas are good. Let me tell you that. However, uh, I do have uh, you know, an ability to see where there are gaps mm-hmm. and creatively come up with solutions, at least, you know, in mm-hmm. my mind. And, uh, and so the, the piece about the entrepreneurship and like, why did I decide? Because I did, I transitioned from broadcasting to, to become an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, is because, uh, when I, uh, was a broadcaster, I actually saw a gap in the media space geared to Latinos. And, mm-hmm. um, and so my mind started creatively, f- you know, figuring out and, and, and visualizing a solution and, you know, how you would do that. Uh, and, um, and, you know, that, that has translated into not only my, my companies, but also, um, you know, other things that I have done in my life. And what I've come to realize, Monica, is that as an entrepreneur in particular, and by the way, I think this applies to professional women as well, meaning professionals in, mm-hmm. in corporate America and other other areas, uh, you don't always have to know the answers, right? Mm, we we yes. often get, we get bogged down in believing that we have to have all the answers. And there's a myriad of reasons why many of us can feel that way. Uh, and in my case, but, you know, back to this Latina and tech uh, angle of my story, I am not an engineer, okay? I can go over to where my engineers work and mm-hmm. I'll look at their screens and it might as well be hieroglyphics as far as I'm concerned because <laughs> right. I don't know Jack, based on what I'm seeing on this screen. So I'll ask them, okay, well, what does this do and what does this mean? Uh, but I do know that the output that I'm seeing is delivering what I envision or what we need or mm-hmm. whatever the case is. Uh, and so, but I do know how to bring in the right people who do know, right? Yes. And, and that's mm-hmm. really the key is you don't always have to have the answers, but 
recognize that you if if you can just identify the right people who do know and then build from there you know that that's a great thing so so for me uh, you know transitioning from broadcasting to becoming an entrepreneur you know there were a number of reasons that uh, made that of interest and appealing to me one of them being you know my broadcasting career for the most part was really about um making an impact it mm-hmm. was less about the fame and fortune. Now, I'll be honest with you. The fame piece has helped. It's opened doors, you know, even to Mm -hmm. this day, I can ask for a meeting and someone will take it simply based on, you know, my, my professional background. They knew I was a broadcaster, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So, so it certainly helps. It does have some credibility to it. Uh, but for me, it wasn't so much about that. It was about using the medium to to create changes, put crooks out of you know business mm-hmm. into jail, and you know creating laws that save lives and those kinds of things. And so when I had this idea for my first company, it was really taking that ability to make an impact to a different level. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think as as a, as an entrepreneur, you can you can certainly do that. Now we can also do it. In a professional basis as well, but that's really what what drove me. So I was at a point in my life where I was reevaluating certain things that were important to me, and uh, the broadcasting piece became less important, and the ability to to really focus on on making an impact became more important. I realized from the long term I could have a greater impact, you know, having mm-hmm. companies. So there's that piece. Now you asked about yes. the courage piece. So that's a different, uh, that's a whole different uh, <laughs> angle. So right. the first is, you know, we all have our personalities and our constitutional makeup. And I will say, generally speaking, I'm a calculated risk taker. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, whatever personality scales there are that will tell you right. information about you as an individual. Uh, and so when I say a calculated risk taker, meaning I'm not afraid of taking risks. Now, I'm not foolish and just jump into anything or that kind of thing. But, you know, there are some people who are very cautious, right? Very, mm-hmm. very... Um, <clears throat> reserved in that way. I wouldn't say, I, yes, I do have a level of consciousness, but I wouldn't say I'm much more on the other side of that. You know, mm-hmm. and, and there's, um, in, in business, uh, there's a very interesting uh, correlated parallel between founders. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have individuals who are optimists. That's me, right? Mm-hmm. I could do anything. I'll figure it out. I'll say yes, because right. I may not know all the answers today, but I'll figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. And and to a large degree, that's that's a great trait to have because it it keeps things propelling forward, right? Right. Now, right. but you need your realist or your pessimist, cal- uh, you know, candidly. Yes. You need the pessimist who sit there and say, well, I don't know, because, you know, this could happen and then this could happen and the world's going to collapse and the sky's going to fall and whatever. And in that mix, right, those pessimists or those person who would perhaps say they're realists, right? right are checking the optimist and making sure that the optimist isn't going so far, mm. right, that they're not paying attention to certain things. So there's that that, that fine yes. balance that happens. And so back to courage and personality. So personality-wise, you know, I, I'm a... I'm a, certainly a very optimistic person, generally speaking, and I am prone to taking calculated risk. And I'll hear people who, you know, who I value their opinion and give me their their risk perspective. Right. right? And, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll really assess it and, and, and sometimes I'll listen to it. And then, you know, I think I'm the exception. Right? <laughs> That's right. what can happen. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. God, so, have it. So, so there's that piece. Um, so I think courage stems a little bit from that. But the other piece is really around uh, an unfortunate uh, life experience that I had, which is uh, I lost uh, one of my children. 
Mm. And uh, unfortunately, very sadly, uh, thank you. And uh, my my middle son was born with a genetic defect, which there was no cure, and and uh, he died just uh, before reaching one year old. And I, I bring that up because after that experience, uh, and that was now just over twenty years ago. After that experience. Uh, and anyone, I, I hope not many people who are listening have had this experience, but if you have, you know this, which is, you know, um, going through the grief of that kind of loss mm-hmm. is, and when I say going through the grief, doesn't mean you get over it, but you you learn how to manage and you go through the grief journey. That's That psychologist will tell you that's the worst life experience that anyone can have. So mm-hmm. I equate it to, I've been to hell. And I'm back, right? I've been to hell and back. So right. back to your courage question, I've been to hell and back. Right. So when I when I assess something I want to do, I'll go, so what's the worst case scenario? I fail, go, you know, whatever, uh, everything goes, you know, under. If I were a professional, I'd get fired or I'd lose my job, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, and I don't so <laughs> in yeah. my head. So I've already been to hell and back. It's yes, not as bad as I've again. been, right? And I've come back. Mm-hmm. So I think that that experience and in, in, in that regard um, has has added um, value to how I see things because that also creates a level of fearlessness Good mm-hmm. because I've been to hell and back. Yeah. Right? I can yeah. both. I can model the worst case scenario, and mm-hmm. I know I'll still be standing, mm-hmm. right? And I'll still, yes. you know, like, and so I won't be six feet under. Hopefully, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> I still stand. Absolutely, right. So yeah. in my case, that's added, I think, to that fearlessness, or, or as you called it, courage. Yes. And it makes um, absolute sense because it's evidence-based, right? You've been to hell and back. There's evidence that you will rise again. Um, And so I think it's really important for people to reflect that maybe they haven't had as a, you know, traumatic or difficult situation, but they have risen back or bounced back from, you know, certain things and they can do it again and again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's powerful of really tapping into that mindset of, I've been there, done that. I can take on all these new things. And I think it's powerful. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, you, you know, one of the things that I think that's also helpful, and I, I you know, we, we talked about this. Uh, one of my um, practices is what I call my holy hour. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I try to get it in every day, not always successful, but part of that is is meditation, visualization, other things. And whenever I'm faced with a situation that is uh, nerve wracking or highly stressful or anxiety provoking, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're, we're human beings, you know, our brains tend to go to the worst yeah. case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then I always remember that I've been through bad cases. I've been through worst case scenarios. Yes. And I'm standing or this happened or this happened. So it kind of helps me a little bit in terms of um, adds to the fearlessness, but also adds to like the the reality perspective of mm-hmm. how you think about things. Like, is it really going to be catastrophic? And let's just say in this slim chance, it's catastrophic, right? Yes. We can do this, but uh, 
but when I look at this, this my statistical experience, mm-hmm. and I realize, oh, okay, I've been through situations like that before, and here I am, you know, whatever, two years later, six years later, twenty years later, and so I, I go through that, and I go, okay, it, I, I'm confident it's going to be okay. <laughs> yes, and I think that's powerful, like you said, questioning and doing the kind of stress test of like, how real is this? <laughs> And if it is going to be catastrophic, then how will I bounce back and start visualizing how you would pivot or how you would react? And so that way, in those moments, you aren't caught standing on the back of your heels. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, oh, I thought about this and here's what I'm going to do next. I think that is so powerful. Yeah. And I think some experts would call that, I think this is an element of cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. which I've had. I'm not, you know, I have no problem sharing that, but I've had lots mm-hmm. of therapy over my life. But uh, yeah, that's that's the cognitive piece. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Weighing the reality of what your, your brain, your stories you're telling yourself, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's so powerful. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. And now I wanted to talk a little bit about, because you you talked about the power of community, like you said, when you were facing, you know, areas of uncertainty going from broadcasting to now in the tech space and, you know, then realizing that, you know, you didn't have to be the expert. You didn't have to know how to code and build anything, but really looking at your community, the composition of your community and saying, okay, I need to get to know X people in this industry, or I need to find people who know how to find the engineers, etc. Can you talk a little bit about the steps that you took in terms of building strategic and powerful relationships to help you build what you were envisioning? Um, and how, you know, we get this question all the time from women in our program where they feel like when they hear the word strategic relationships, powerful relationships, that there's an ulterior motive and it's not authentic. Mm. How do you get around that? And and how can you bust that myth for people in that, you know, true relationships are true relationships, um, but you do have to be strategic. Can you talk about that? Yes. You know, and as women, generally speaking, of course, there are women who don't uh, fit this profile, but generally speaking, women are very relationship oriented, right? Yes. And, uh, and authenticity is a big piece of that as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, so a couple of things. The first is, um, uh, there's a great book that I recommend about rela- strategic relationship building. And it's, mm. it's written by a friend of mine named Keith Ferrazzi. And it's, co- it's called Never, it's either never, so here, Keith Ferrazzi, that's the key piece. Keith, Keith Ferrazzi. F- yes. Uh-huh. And I believe the book is Never Eat Lunch Alone Again or, yes. or, or uh, and pardon me, I, I wasn't, ex- you know, it just came to me otherwise. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. And Keith I think Ferrazzi. you're right. I think it's like Never Eat Lunch Alone. Like Right. Never, there's yeah. an orange, it's an orange uh, cover and then there's a subsequent one, a uh, 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 blue color. Uh, the point being, so there's there's strategic and then there's authenticity. So how do we mirror the two? And um, the authentic piece is is um, is around providing value, right? First of mm-hmm. all, we know people like to 
deal with, engage with, have in their network, have in their community people that they they like, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's true across no matter what. And so um, some some of us have likable characteristics, and it's easy, and we're we're outgoing, and it's you know mm-hmm. it's, it's easy. Some of some of us it's a little more challenging, right? Especially for an introvert, introvert, or we have social anxiety, or these kinds of things. Yeah. But regardless, the authenticity piece can often come from providing value. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, so if we think about relationship building as a as a as a way to provide value, you and I are in a conversation. You and I, we had a conversation with the yes. three of us. When I say three of us with your partner, yes. and and then we started talking about, oh, well, what do you need? And I need ABC, right? And you yes. you were so generous in, in offering that first. And then I said, well, what do you need? And you shared with me, you know, we need ABC. And so we immediately started getting in touch with each other and following up on, yes. on those things. That's giving. You build relationships on providing value, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone may say, oh, wow, I really like that book. And then the next day you think about, oh, I saw that book. I can either send it or I can, you know, give the person more information, you know, whatever the case is. So authenticity is is uh, relevant no matter whether you're building strategic relationships or not. You're just right. building relationships. Um, there's a saying I like that's called your net worth is in your net work, right? Mm, yes. uh, and, and what that means is the more value you provide, the more valuable your network is. And then when you do need something... And you ask for it, underline, ask for it. Yes, yes. Uh (laughs) Right? Because many of us are afraid to ask Ask. for it or resistant to asking for it, which which I'll come back to later, Uh, right? But um, you you probably have people that you know or people that they know that Mm -hmm that could provide you guidance, insight, lead you in the right direction, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. So that's the authenticity piece. So the strategic piece. So if you're in a, in, as a professional or in a career perspective, um, the strategic piece is really, again, and it sometimes it bothers us as women because we're not transactional, right? We're right. not, generally speaking, we're not transactional people. And so the the strategic piece is, uh, and I do this all the time. You know, I, I run businesses there. I have multiple things that are going on. So mm-hmm. I will purposely, you know, to the best of my ability on any given day, uh, I will focus on building relationships. And part of that is putting yourself in a place where you're meeting the people that you want to meet. By the right. way, I did this with dating too when I got divorced. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it applies everything, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, just, just a quick, as a quick aside, uh, you know, I got divorced. I was going to think about, you know, the type of individual I'd like to meet. And I thought, well, you know, golf. If I learn how to play golf, that puts me in a place where there are a lot of interesting men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right. There's another reason too to play golf, but you know that's strategy. Why yes, that's exactly. Strategically putting myself in a place with yes, right, a, a group of people that you want to meet. Um. So, um. So it is about giving value, but it's also about putting yourself in the places where you will have a higher higher likelihood of meeting mm-hmm. people. And that Keith Frazzi's book, I think, is fantastic yes. uh, related to to that. And he's he's tenacious in a great in an authentic way, and mm-hmm. he's. And so that's what I very much like about that book. 
Mm, I love that. And I think you're right in terms of being, you know, part of the strategy is thinking about who do you need to know or who do you need to get proximate to? And just like your dating analogy is it's like, you know, well, I could be proximate to a lot of interesting people if I took up golf. And so Mm -hmm. same thing of thinking about, you know, where do I, you know, and it may not be I'm targeting one person, but it's like, hey, I should actually get out there and maybe go to these networking events or go somewhere to where the people that are like-minded or who I need to get to know are there. So I think it's powerful. I mean, the strategy may not even be in the relationship itself. It just may be that you're putting yourself in the right place. I think that's that's phenomenal. And Monica, I just want to circle back because the whole networking event sometimes causes people anxiety. Yes. What do I say? Mm -hmm. How do I start a conversation? And, you know, again, if you're an introvert and I parent one, so I, you know, uh, I, I have some knowledge uh, that, um, uh, that can also be, you know, anxiety provoking, provoking. And it's, it's, you know, I, I, we hear networking events and by the way, today in, in, can I say this post COVID? I guess I can't, yes. mm-hmm. you know, on the other side of, you know, when we're all locked down, um, I'm not sure that networking events are really the, the, the key place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're opportunity. I, I see you can meet someone in the elevator. Yes. Right? You can meet someone at the grocery store as you're looking at the salad dressings. Exactly. Right? You're talking uh-huh. to someone next door, you know, you, you're, you're standing in line waiting to pay or whatever the case is. Yeah. We met, we were, we were just kind of waiting for our appetizers and you happened to be standing there. We're like, would you like some? And we'd right. Ex- exactly. That's uh-huh. exactly right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I've certainly met people in airports and on a plane, you know, different things. So, uh, so I would say it's, this is less about a networking event. There are obviously events where you can meet yes. or things like that, but it's more about how do you really, how do you really engage with people? And again, that's one of the reasons why I like Keith's book a lot. So. Mm. That's phenomenal. Now, you also touched a little earlier of your your holy time of like mm-hmm. making sure that you are giving yourself space to reflect and to meditate and to visualize. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and the power of, you know, what are some of the daily habits and rituals that are key to your career success that sometimes people think, you know, they it contradicts what they think. Like if, oh, if I take an hour or 30 minutes to meditate or to to think in the middle of the day, it's I'm wasting time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So um, I started uh, my holy hour practice in earnest actually as a way to to deal with the grief of losing my son. So now Mm -hmm. just over 20 years. And it started with me having carving out a space and a time of the day to to cry and work through that grief. And then I could function, right, mm-hmm. for the next eight to 10 hours and I'd go to sleep. And then if I did that again in the morning, then I could function. It was really a way of, mm. of functioning. Right. And just to kind of give you a perspective, in the, in the midst of that grief, um, uh, my therapist suggested try to focus, word, try to focus on what you're thankful for, because when you're in the depths of despair of that kind of grief, it's really mm-hmm. hard. Yes. Uh, and so I remember my initial, my initial, like, okay, I took the advice down and I started to write down and I um, literally on my list was like three or four things. That's all I could see at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my, my son who died was my middle son. So I still had my oldest son at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my oldest child, of course, I was married then. So, you know, the support of my husband, although he was grieving as well, the sunshine. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I was one time I was sitting outside, I was sitting on a bench that we had in our garden and I was feeling noticing the sun for the first time in a couple of months. 
And uh, looking back into the kitchen and seeing the pantry and remembering that my my Jiffy's peanut butter was in there and I love peanut butter. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I'll add that to the list. I'm thankful for my peanut butter. <laughs> yes. But, but the point being that my list was like this big because that's all I would, that's all the capacity I had at that moment in time. Right. Today, now, of course, my list is so long. Mm-hmm. That I actually have to divide up my list. I do. I have this methodology in my, on even days, I focus on this part of my list. On odd days, I focus on this part of my list. But the uh-huh. point being is that um, the great, so the holy hour started with reserving time so that I could process what I needed to process, that I had some level of equilibrium mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And that's still true today. So the, the holy hour serves that purpose. And I have a full throttle life and a gazillion things going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, much of it's stressful, you know, and, and, you know, at the, uh, because I'm growing businesses, I'm raising capital, those kinds of things. Uh, And so, and, and so it does provide a way to make sure that I have, that I'm in a state of equilibrium as opposed to, as Mm -hmm. opposed to disequilibrium. That's that piece. The second piece is I I have to say that that gratefulness uh, advice I got then uh, mm-hmm. was was really powerful and it's really powerful even today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that goes back to tying it to the fearlessness, having courage, because I yes. look at all the things I'm grateful for and go, okay, worst case scenario. Oh boy, I have all these things. I'm still great. Like nothing's going to happen to all these mm-hmm. things or people I'm grateful for, even yes. if the worst thing were to happen, right? Uh, and, and then the other piece of that is I do try to read something that's uplifting or, or nourishing for the, my brain, my soul, my well-being, whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say to you, back to your question, if I carve out the time, I feel I'm wasting time in my case, I can't afford not to do it. Mm, yes. I can't oh. afford not to do it because if I go too many days and it often happens when I'm traveling or I've got too many early meetings, which then compresses yeah. and I don't get that time in, um, I notice in how I'm managing things, mm. uh, you know, and so, you know, I would just say, I, I, I just, I can't afford not to do it. That's mm, I love I that. And, and that's powerful. That's such an amazing example. Um, I want to touch back in a little bit, not a, too much around clarity, but it's more about passion and how did you how did you connect passion to what you do and you shared that there was this theme of even when you were a broadcaster there was you know you wanted to do, have impact you noticed a gap but i've noticed also in all of your companies there is also that same thread that passion that you have of having impact around you know you first created uh, saberacer.com and then there's biasync that's really focusing on you know disrupting the unconscious bias for organizations can you talk a little bit about that because i think sometimes individuals have a really hard time answering that question when we say what are you passionate about and they immediately start thinking oh gardening this or that and then they don't know how to tie it into the day job can you talk a little bit about how you were able to pull some of those things in that you were passionate about um, and really put that, like, help motivate you in the things that you do today? Yes, thank you. So, it, passion is what keeps you going on the toughest days. Mm-hmm. It really does, if you think about yes. it, right? So, if, you're, if your time is focused on things or something that doesn't bring you passion, think of, you know, the hardest day that you've had recently. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I don't mean traumatic day, but I mean, you know, generally speaking, we all can think back the hardest day in the last two weeks or a month or whatever. Right. Is, right. When you have passion, you still get up and you still continue. You And, and some days it feels like you're slogging through, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> but you still continue. Th- that's passion. When you don't have passion, you have trouble getting through your toughest days. And I do think, I certainly know plenty of individuals who've, I'll give you an example, have entered professions Mm -hmm. because they felt, looking back, they felt pressure that they needed Mm -hmm. to enter into a certain profession, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of us who are children of immigrants uh, can relate to that because our parents, you know, envision you know, not so much today, I don't know, but certainly when I was young in, in high school and college age, you know, the, the, the concept then was you need to be a doctor. You need yes, to be a doctor, you lawyer. Need to be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yes. And that's it, doctor, lawyer. Mm-hmm. Like there was no, no capacity to see that there might be other things that might be, right? And, and you knew, and so here I thought, marching along, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor. Never mm-hmm. mind the fact that I also tried to donate blood several times and fainted every single time <laughs> I saw blood. And it got to the point where they said, thank you, but no, thank you. You're too much of a headache. You know, uh-huh. don't come back. Right. Clue, clue, clue. I guess I shouldn't be a doctor. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you you know, but I've talked to plenty of people and you ask them, especially in, you know, and in, in, in our age, and I'm, I'm going to make an assumption. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're there. You're probably absolutely. You're there, but you know, uh, I would say that if you look back at why we why we chose a profession, there's probably a fair amount of people who would say I felt pressured. Or, I felt I would let someone down, mm-hmm. and and coincidentally, they've entered that profession. Maybe they're still in it many years later, but they're not. It's not passion, right? It, it's not their passion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that uh, going back to that question, what keeps you going on the hardest days, if, if you're, what you're doing doesn't bring you passion, then from my perspective, it's hard to be joyful. Right. And mm-hmm. it's hard to be joyful when you're not doing something that you're passionate about. So therefore, uh, maybe you want to consider something else and have the courage to mm-hmm. make the transition. Now, I'm not an expert, and I certainly don't profess to be able to have a formula that's, mm-hmm. you know, foolproof and, you know, will absolutely work. And obviously, everyone has to take certain things into consideration about their finances and, you know, et cetera, and those kinds of things and responsibilities towards family. And But uh, to the extent that you can, and usually it's easier than you might and should be thinking because what holds us back? Fear. Yes. Right? Yeah. Fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And back again, uh, to one of the lessons uh, or, or how it shaped my life. In, in losing my son, I became very focused on joyfulness. Mm-hmm. And I don't care, you know, life is too short. The older we get, the, the more we realize how fast time is going by. Yes. And uh, if, if you are living life and you're not experiencing joy, right, then what's the point? Yes. Right. What's mm-hmm. the point? Uh, as, as far yeah. as I am concerned, mm-hmm. and so uh, I, I do, I, I do recommend in terms of passion. You know, passions aligned with joyfulness, and uh, and I'm a big proponent of using that kind of test as a barometer around your your toughest day. Mm. I love that. And you're right. What's the point of, you know, if you can't find joy, there's no point. And and what's the point if you can't feel, you know, the, a sense of 
accomplishment in what you're doing if you're not feeling joy. So it's, it kind of, there's this domino effect of like, you can be successful, but if you aren't, you know, if you don't feel joy out of that success, then, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to keep going on the hardest days. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's powerful and asking yourself why. And like you said, then finding the courage to figure out how do I bring joy into what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. So. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, absolutely. Well, I could talk forever, but I know we have to kind of close up. So I'm going to move to the close, the closing, the lightning round questions we love to ask. Um, And, you know, I feel like sometimes these are the more telling answers that are just fun and we get to know another side of you. But um, you already shared uh, your book uh, on the networking book or the don't ever, you know, have lunch again. Remind me the name of the author. So I write that down. Keith Rossi. Keith Rossi. Yeah. Is this, um, so, is this a question about favorite book? Yeah. So what is your, um, what, what book greatly influenced? So we know that one did, but I'm sure there's another. Yes. Uh, the Go-Giver. The Go-Giver. The Go-Giver mm. by Bob Berg. It's about mm. this big. It's about this big. It's a parallel. The Pardon Go-Giver. me. A parable. parable. And uh, mm-hmm. it is a fantastic book. And I actually give that away a lot as gifts. And Mm -hmm. I have people call me and say, oh my gosh, where's this book been? I love it. So The Go-Giver. The Go-Giver. I'm going to have to look that up. Some Christmas gifts. Christmas right there, around. Oh, Christmas. <laughs> Talk Absolutely. about building relationships. Give it to everyone you know. <laughs> awesome. Good, good one. I'm going to write that down. Um, what is what is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? Mm. Uh, yes. So uh, when you were born... I'm going to probably get this a bit wrong, but the concept is um, when you were born, the people around you were laughing and you were crying, right? Babies crying. Yeah. Live your life so that when you die, you're the one who's laughing and people around you are crying. Mm, I love that. Yeah, and I may have a word slightly off there, mm-hmm. but that's it. It's a moody, M-O-O-T-Y mm-hmm. quote. A moody yes. quote. I but love you get that. the point of it. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So what is one word or moniker you would use to describe yourself? Tenacious. Tenacious. I love <laughs> it. I can see it totally, too. <laughs> <laughs> What is one change, habit, behavior, or action that you implemented that made your life better? More sleep. Oh, that's a good one. Yes, more sleep. More sleep. I used Mm. to be able to operate on, you know, five, six hours. That's not, I'm not at my best. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I've re-architected my life so that I can get, you know, assuming I, you know, don't wake up and stuff, a, a good full night, eight hours of sleep. Mm, okay, good one. James LeBron, by the way, has a great podcast, a, a meditation mm-hmm. type podcast on on the importance of sleep and his habits around sleep. It's yes, really I started he listening to, to the ump level. Yeah, in the Calm he, app. He, I've been listening. The calm, to exactly. Days, yes. The Calm app, yeah. Yes. LeBron James, he, yes. And and he has the tenor of his voice. You just kind of like. <laughs> yes. I'm buying it. Yes, LeBron, yes. I'm buying it. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving it. Yes. Yeah. So this is one of my favorite. So what power song would you want playing as you walked out onto the stage? Oh, my gosh. You. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm pop illiterate, just so you know. Uh-huh. I can hear melodies, but I don't always remember names. Um, uh, someone who supports me for, for many years is here in the room with me. Essie, what's the song? The Lion song. The, oh, um, uh, I, um, I love it. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't even be. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember it at the moment, but um, is was this in my cheat sheet notes? <laughs> to yes. remind me of what, what it is. I can hear it, but um, uh, oh, I'll, it'll come back to me hopefully in the next six Absolutely. Weeks. You can okay. share it. You can share it. And we will, we will, we have, a, what we love to do is a tradition of taking all of our guest podcast songs and we make them into a compilation and have like a, a power, oh. a power hit list. So <laughs> this is actually a really important question. <laughs> no, yeah. And we'll get it from okay. you, but, but we can okay. hear it. And we heard gotcha. part of the melody. So I'm sure we'll have our yeah. audience. Yeah. Our audience will probably start like commenting <laughs> in like, that, I know the song. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Michelle, it's been such a pleasure to have you on and and everything that you shared is so spot on. And I think, um, you know, what I took away from it is that, um, you know, you lead by example and a lot of the things that you talk, you are, you know, doing them. And you really honestly reinforced a lot of what we, you know, share and teach um, around, you know, these ideas to help women get ahead. And Seeing and hearing a story like yours, I think, is just so inspiring and kind of paves the way for others to say, okay, you know, I can do it too. So thank you so much for sharing that, for um, sharing all of those things and for being vulnerable and sharing how, you know, sometimes um, our obstacles become our opportunities. And Mm. so thank you for For that. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.